Empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, wherever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to you in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now, where all good books are sold. You can literally get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. All you gots to do is go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to get a signed copy, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. This was a guy that was robbed of uh, his place in history. He should have been the first world heavyweight champion, but at the very least, he should be considered the first American uh, heavyweight champion, and neither are giving credit to this guy for achieving both of those things. Find out what happened to him uh, and uh, why you should know uh, about Tom Molino. It's a true story. This guy was born a slave, forced to fight, didn't even want to fight, was forced to fight, and is still being ripped off all because of the color of his skin. This is a guy that uh, went up against, uh, you know what, read the book because he went up against all these odds it's amazing what he did. He's a part of uh, American history. He's a part of boxing history. And he's a part of black American history. Learn about Tom Molino. Uh, I trust you. Trust me. Trust me. You will uh, love this story. It's, it's, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Trust me. Trust you. Eh, whatever. Hey, don't forget about our next uh, boxing event. It's going to be taking place uh, over the summer. It's going to be an invitation only, but it's going to be the biggest and best one we ever do. Want info? Drop me an email. Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. A little bit later on the show, we're going to uh, break down and give you our predictions uh, on the uh, uh, big fights for this weekend. There's a couple of uh, decent fights tonight. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we got that thing. What do we call it? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to give you my uh, thoughts on the Super Bowl, and I'll give you my prediction on that. Um, I also got a bunch of emails to read. But uh, today's uh, topic, believe it or not, uh, yesterday's topic was uh, uh, about Floyd Mayweather and why I feel uh, he should uh, focus on being a boxing promoter. 
uh, today's show is, uh, well, not the whole show, but this first topic we're going to talk about uh, is uh, the confirmation uh, that Floyd is indeed meeting with Showtimes to discuss an MMA fight. Yeah, he wants to switch over to MMA. Uh, he's serious about it. He's serious. You know, he's serious about it. Uh, I just have one message to Floyd, whether he cares what I think or not. All I can say is don't do it, Floyd. You know, I mean, some people look at Floyd as being a, a great fighter. Uh, he has, uh, whether you like him or not, he's accomplished a lot inside the squared circle. He's got nothing left to prove. He's, uh, you know, taken something that he's worked so hard uh, to bamboozle, in a way, to bamboozle fans and stuff. And now, uh, to me, by doing that, becomes it becomes a circus act. The guy is uh, considered a great boxer. Uh, there's no way at 40 years old he's going to get in an MMA ring and fight a top MMA fighter and win, at least legitimately. Joining me right now to get his thoughts on that uh, from St. Simons Island in Georgia uh, is my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Your thoughts on Floyd fighting an MMA? Like, for real? What do you think? Absolutely not for real. No way. No way. You know, I, I could almost see you know, him setting himself up to come out as he always does uh, uh, on top. But in this arena, I, I do not see if he goes in with anybody of significance as far as ranking and rating and, and credibility as an MMA fighter. It's going to be a different playing field, literally. And uh, it's going to be in a different world for Floyd. And I don't think he will uh, come out... Uh, as he plans to victoriously, I don't. I don't see it. Well, Steve, I think it's a big. I think it's a big rhetoric and, and promotion and things like that, just to get him to get some attention. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see him in the MMA. Right? I, I, you know, and this was one of the topics we were talking about yesterday about Floyd and and you know his Mayweather promotion uh, company. You know, Floyd's got to let go of trying to be in the limelight and getting attention, just as you suggest. You know, uh, if he is serious. And according to Steve Espinosa, um, who I think uh, looks like he's the last guy you want to leave your kid alone with, but uh, that's my opinion. Um, he says uh, uh, there's a big chance that Floyd is coming, and that's uh, they're coming to discuss it, and that's going to be the topic of conversation. Uh, he says also financially, he says Floyd considers himself not an eight-figure pay guy anymore he's a nine-figure pay guy so uh you know here's a guy that's looking for obviously another hundred million dollars um you know listen he says that also that showtime uh steve espinosa says that showtime is behind uh you know floyd mayweather if he decides to do this The, the the truth of the matter is is for the circus appeal um you know, and and to me, anybody that's a boxing fan that, you know, wants to see this, it just goes to show you that they're not true boxing fans. Now, with that said, if Floyd Mayweather, and, and, and I got to be honest, Sal, because if Floyd Mayweather steps in the, box, in, in the MMA uh, world, into a cage or whatever, and he takes on a guy like McGregor, under it's the MMA only one rules, take, by the way, it's the only fight. Well, well, listen. If he takes on a guy like McGregor, 
under MMA rules, and he wins. Uh, I, I mean, you got to give him credit. I mean, if it's legitimate, Absolutely. if it's a legitimate fight, I mean, I, you can't give the guy, you can't not give him credit. I mean, there'll be people yeah. that'll say the fight was fixed and everything else. You know, the, the question turns into this. How much will it take to make Conor McGregor uh, play the game, if you know what I mean? And and by the way, how could Floyd possibly be the A-side leading in negotiations for any MMA match? What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's a very good point. I mean, you know, we had... Uh absolutely floyd was number one in leading the whole uh certain scenario uh with the boxing event that uh missed that 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 we, we had to witness and sit through with conor mcgregor making his pro debut fighting floyd mayweather and uh so i think the only opponent that floyd needs to get into the arena with will be conor mcgregor that's it the first fight for mcgregor was uh, Mayweather, and the first fight for Floyd should be Conor McGregor. And, uh, hey, guess what? If he does legitimately beat Conor McGregor on Conor McGregor's home turf like that, forget about it. Then, you know, we gotta be gonna, we gotta, we're going to be giving applause to Floyd Mayweather. You know, I, I, it's funny because I, I, think, I think that, you know, Ray Charles could see that, uh, you know, it's all about the money. It's all about the right. money. And, you know, although when you put your, you know, taking care of yourself and your family hat on, you can't knock anybody for, for taking advantage of, of making money and, and no. having opportunities knocking on their door that they walk through. Um, but at some point, I'm just curious about the fans. I know how I feel. You know, like I, I have a tendency of, when it comes to boxing, I have a tendency to to always think as the boxing purist. You know, what's right. good for the sport? What's the long-term ramifications? What about the historical impact? You know, how about the, the guys that came before? You know, that's all important, uh, important parts of the puzzle for me. But it seems today that a lot of young fans don't even care about any of that. And it's all about the money. And they put the value in a fighter based on what kind of money he or she makes. And um, with that thought process, uh, just like the idiot that called in yesterday trying to uh, tell me that, that Al Heyman won a purse bid, which he never did. There was no, never a purse bid for Kovalev uh, against Stevenson. There was never a purse bid. You know, I, I, the funny thing about it is the lack of knowledge from these guys and the fact that they believe all the rhetoric is sad. And those same guys are the ones that would pay for this and, you know, accept it all based on the money. I, I don't understand, So When do you draw the line? Well, you know, that's just it. Some people are just shameless. They'll keep continuing along the pathway until they achieve what they want, and I can't, I can't down them for that. It's just uh, when you look at the uh, integrity of a, of a game or sport, an event, you know, that's, that's where they should draw the line. I mean, how far is too far how far is overboard how far is too much and uh you know it's it's hard to declare because it's like judging in a boxing arena it's subject to human error and opinion well you know if i was floyd and you know he's just looking for big paydays 
he's probably better off joining the WWE because that, what, in my opinion, is what Floyd Mayweather will turn himself into uh, if, he, uh, if he jumps into the cage. You know, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Floyd Mayweather is in a position, if, if he just lets his ego, gets rid of his ego for a minute or two and look at the, the big picture, Mayweather Promotions could be the biggest promotional company in the United States. But Floyd has to let go of the egotistical uh, actions that he does. And this, I think this, Sal, is a, is a clear indication that he does not want to let go uh, of his uh, uh, ego and, and uh, bow out of the limelight just yet. And you know what? When you look in the history of, uh, of, of athletes, forget boxing, but, you know, boxing included, of course. But when you look in the history of, of athletes that hang on too long, they end up being remembered uh, not for what they did. A good point is Michael Jordan. In my opinion, the best basketball player ever to lace on a pair of sneakers, and some of the younger fans remember him uh, playing for the Wizards when he was a, a shell of himself. Or better yet, uh, you can uh, you know you can go in the boxing ring and look at uh, Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr., arguably one of the best pound-for-pound fighters ever, and a, a lot of young fans remember what they see today. Or even in football, Peyton Manning. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl in his last year, but he could barely complete a pass. Uh, and, you know, for young fans, they might just see that. You know, the, the trick of being a superstar athlete, and it's something that I have never accomplished, so I don't know what goes on in their heads, but the truth of the matter is, is they learn mentally improvements that they have to do but their bodies physically can't take it and you got to have the mental and the physical talking to each other and I say Floyd is in a position right now whether I I, I disagreed with that 50th win but the truth of the matter is is he's there and if I'm Floyd I, I ride off into the sunset as a fighter and focus on my promotional company Sometimes it's more difficult than that, Bill. And uh, uh, speaking from my experience, uh, you know that. And and yeah, but no you know, disrespect, maybe, Sal. We're talking uh, a big difference between big difference, your yeah, career and, and Floyd. A Mayweather. guy that has been there and done that, a world champion, a guy that's gotten anything out of there. Sometimes it's still hard, Bill. It's still hard to let go because that's that's you know when they're in shape like that is, and and, and you know what we could knock Floyd all we want. But every time he steps into some type of uh, competition or ring, he is testing himself. He's proving himself. His conditioning, his movement, his, his sensibility. So, you know, whether it's the kind of opponent you and I would dream about seeing him uh, step up and fight or just the fact that, guess what, he's still testing himself. So I, I give Floyd credit like that. And it's hard for him to let go of maybe the adulation, maybe the conditioning, maybe the pressure. Sometimes that's the drug. That's the, that, that's the, that's the whole thing. When you get up and you're going to go into the arena and the ring, it, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big lift. It's a big thing. And more often than not, people do know when it's enough. And they say, hey, you know what? I, I, I have one more in me. I got two more in me. Or I have no more in me. And I, I, I'm, I could say goodbye. When he could look in the mirror and said, say to himself, it's time I could say goodbye and move on. That's an individual choice. And that's the kind of thing that, that he's got to really come to terms with. Like every athlete does at the end of the day. 
You know, like I said earlier, it's hard when you rev up like a Ferrari and you're training every day, you're running every day, you're sparring, you're preparing, you're doing this, and then wham, it's all over. You know, yes, some people should find how to uh, find out how to redirect that passion, that fire, that fervor, and and they could do that, and some have. And uh, others, you know, that's the only thing they know. That's their instinct. So they may hold on a little longer than what they could or should. And that, that's the same thing. Not everybody, but some people do. I, I agree with that. My point is, is Floyd Mayweather has at least, you got to give him credit for this. He's taken and seemingly has learned from other fighters mistakes previously whether it be his own family members or other great fighters he watched them rise and fall he watched them stay too long he vowed he would never do that he created a a, a style which would preserve himself and prevent yes. himself from getting hit and, and doing all of this he devised that style what he's doing now goes against his own rule and my point is, and I fully agree with you about that juice that you feel, that that you know, uh, you know, feeling you get for for walking into the ring and all of that. And and he could still get that by being a promoter. You know, he can. He could still get that. Nobody says he has to stop working out in the gym. Nobody says he he has to stop, you know, sparring or even uh, evaluating talent, et cetera, et cetera. That's where he can get his name in the limelight. That's where he can get that juice. Is he going to make $100 million for fighting 12 rounds somewhere? No. But the truth of the matter is, is he could certainly make that kind of coin being a top-notch promoter. I think he's making a mistake. You, nobody beats Father Time. Nobody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport you're in. If he turned around and said he was going to become a, a race car driver at 40 years old, I would tell him not to do that either. You know, I mean, he's in a position where he could sit back and enjoy life. Me, personally, if it were me, I would. Nobody would. people would be wondering what happened to me. If I had that kind of money, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about the limelight. I don't care about the limelight anyway. But the truth of the matter is, is that you know you only get you only get on this ride that we call life once you know I, I mean he's got nothing else to prove and to me he's going to devalue himself should he cross over into MMA if we were having this conversation 10 years ago it would be a different conversation but this is a guy that can't beat the 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 young fighters in boxing he can't beat an Errol Spence he can't beat a Keith Thurman he knows that so he's going to go over to MMA what makes him think he's going to be the top fighter there? I, it makes no sense. Well, and, and here we go. Look at you and I right now. We're talking about it. And like I said many times, the media does not report the news. They create it. They stimulate it. So this is maybe just part of the rhetoric we're going to be talking about and that we're going to be doing for Floyd and giving him some type of promotion on one level. The other level is this. I mean, Floyd in his own mind, he's an elitist. Nothing applies to him that would be applicable to an average Joe or somebody else. So he feels he can push the envelope a little bit. He feels that maybe Father Time, he's smarter than that because he's done it. And he feels that, hey, guess what? I'm still working with a body that's 32 years old and a mindset that's 32 years old. I'm still in my prime. He knows 
on reality and that that it's not that easy. But he still feels that he's better than the average Joe and that he could do things and he could still utilize the fan base to receive the millions of dollars and and applause and millions of fans that that will flock to see him do it. So he he, he he's having that to, to wrestle with in his own mind. And, he, and he's like, well, why should I do anything else? when I, This is my forte. This is still what I want. And whether it's just rhetoric that we're talking about and, and this is part of what he wants to do because all eyes are going to be on Floyd now to see what he decides to do or uh, whether it's going into promotion or, or going into acting or going into whatever he wants to do or going into the MMA arena or making another comeback. Who knows? But this is this, the news, the, the, the fire, and now we're feeding that fire and we're going to see what happens and where it grows and how big the flame gets. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. But you know what? Here we are. Like I said, we're talking about it. And yeah, well, uh, he opened his mouth and he said something that is debatable. And you know what? I would, I would almost welcome to see Floyd get in the ring, the MMA arena, with Conor McGregor. Nobody else. Conor McGregor. And see what happens there. And maybe they can have a trilogy. Uh, another fight. Who knows? If Floyd beats him. If Floyd. Yeah, I mean. He's got to be familiar with him as a dance partner, and uh, some of that will go to Floyd's advantage uh, if if he stays off the damn mat. But who knows? But like I said, the only fighter he should face is Conor McGregor. Floyd May. First of all, we're going to stop talking about this. But Floyd Mayweather, a guy who who basically turned his career into uh, a, a running, <laughs> he's a runner. Uh, here's a guy that won't let you get close enough, you know, uh, to to possibly fight in MMA where where people grab you and throw you to the mat or kick you and stuff like that. There's no way. There's no way that he could uh, uh, make that adjustment. And the and and you're right. Conor McGregor would be the one that could justify a hundred million dollars or more of a payday. Absolutely. But he stands no chance of beating Conor McGregor in the ring in a, in a cage. And if he does. I I would think that it was fixed. I, I unless unless Floyd has been secretly fighting MMA for for the last decade and and really knows his stuff, um, which I don't think. But I you know, it's so. possible. It's possible. Anything's possible. Well, you know, hey, Mike Tyson's training his son, uh, hitting the mitts. We don't know how long that's been going on behind closed doors. Who knows what Mayweather's been doing behind closed doors? Maybe maybe he's been practicing MMA all these years. I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, it would be interesting to see if this catches on anyway, shape or form. Yeah, I doubt it. But uh, anyway, back to real boxing real, talk. Real um, fight talk. The, the World fight. Boxing Super Series. Uh, we're going to be talking about those fights um, coming up a little bit later. But uh, the WBA made a, a statement. And... Um, it's kind of silly when you think about it. Uh, now, the WBA uh, champion in the cruiserweight division is currently Unier Dorticos. Now, he's fighting this weekend against Mirak Asiyev uh, with the uh, uh, the winner not only uh, picking up uh, uh, the other belt. Asiyev has the uh, IBF uh, world title. And the winner will walk away with uh, the WBA and IBF. But more importantly... Uh, Usyk, Alexander Usyk, who also has two belts, 
He's got the uh, WBC and the WBO belt. Um, the winner of the Dortico's and Gasio fight will be fighting him for the win, you know, for the title of the uh, WBS Super uh, Series. I'm sorry, the World Boxing Super Series <coughs> uh, Super Champion, right? And the Muhammad Ali Trophy. But at the end of the day, the winner will, will have all four titles and for the most part will be the uh, unified Cruiserweight Champion. The WBA likes to, excuse me, put themselves, uh, I can't even talk, you know, uh, puts themselves uh, in, in, in a position where they say, well, Dennis Ledebev, was our WBA champion, but because we granted uh, Dorticos the opportunity to fight in this tournament, we have declared um, Ledebev a champion in recess. So theoretically, the WBA, who, by the way, has stated that they want to eliminate all these titles, uh, gave uh, a title opportunity to Dorticos. He won it. Now he's fighting in this title, uh, a, a unification fight. And meanwhile, back at camp, Dennis Ledebev, he's a champion in recess. So they are permitting this fight to take place, and they're permitting the winner of this fight, who will have the WBA belt, to go on and continue with the WBSS tournament. And then, under their rules, uh, after the final, which is uh, taking place in May for the World Boxing Super Series, the winner has to fight... Dennis Ledebev. Now, although I think that that's a good fight, Dennis Ledebev against either of the last remaining participants in the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight division, the funny part about this is the only belt that the WBA is making it seem like, you know, they're the only belt. What they're saying, and don't be surprised if the WBC follows suit and the IBO, IBF follows suit and the WBO follows suit. What they're saying is, in order to keep our piece of the unification, the WBA belt, you got to fight Dennis Ledebev. Now, what's preventing the, uh, preventing the IBF or the WBC or the WBO stating at the end of this tournament, hey, in order to keep our belt, you got to fight so-and-so. So once again the sanctioning bodies will rip apart a unification or more importantly, a, a title holder that's a unified champion, something that every boxing fan wants. Once again, the sanctioning bodies will be in a position to rip that apart because of their own greed factor. I think it's ridiculous. I, I want to see a unified champion defending all the belts. That's what makes it the best, not giving them their hour and a half in the limelight of being a unified champion, then split it all up again and go through that process one more time. What's your thoughts? <laughs> it's like draining the swamp. I mean, you know, it's 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 like, you know, uh, like President Trump came into office. He thought he was going to change Washington. Sure, he's trying to do some things, but, you know, you're talking about people that, that want to hold on to their jobs and, and, uh, and, and everything else. So they'll appease and they'll give where they can but they're not going to change the whole structure you can't get rid of the old establishment same thing in the boxing world you can't get rid of the establishment and uh i mean you could try you could you could come up with a different version a different way and see how you can evolve or devolve but the bottom line is no the, the sanctioning bodies it's the greed it's the need 
It's what they do. They control the whole, the whole organization, the whole world of boxing. They make their private concessions where they can, but they are adamant and they stay. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep this. We're gonna recognize that, and this is what you got to do because we gave you this. Is you're gonna have to uh, do this now. You know, it's it's all trade offs, and it's never gonna change. So the world of, of of boxing fans wanting to see one champion per weight class or one definitive uh, superhero in, in one weight class is never going to happen. Those days are long gone because the sanctioning bodies have too much invested in their own organization to keep the cash flow coming in. And that, that's it. It's, it's going to be mediocre at best. The sanctioning bodies are basically organizations that uh, help a promoter and a television network sell a fight because there's a title on the line. That's it. They don't do anything else for the fighters. All they do is collect. That's what they do. Yeah, collect sanctioning The sanctioning fee, the, the, the sanctioning bodies collect. They're in the business <laughs> of collecting money. They don't spend money. They collect money. And the, the, the thought, that, listen, the only way to fix it would be for the promoters and the networks to devalue the, 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 the belts. I said this the other day, maybe even yesterday. The problem is you have a, a fighter that says, I'm proud to be a W-whatever champion until the other sanctioning body comes over to them and says, hey, we'll give you more money. And the next thing you know, hey, I don't need this belt. They throw the other one in the garbage and they say, yeah, now I want to fight for this belt, you know. And, and, you know, one minute they're saying how valuable the belt is. Next minute they're saying it's not. The truth of the matter is it goes back to the same old uh, uh, rule as business. Business 101. Supply and demand. The reason why belts and title holders don't hold the value they once did is because there's too many of them. There's too many titles. There's too many belt holders. You know, theoretically, there's five in each, each weight class of every sanctioning body. You know, you got you got uh, you know the super champion. You got the regular champion. You got the interim champion. You got the champion of Murtai. You got the champion in recess. All guys walking around, and that's one sanctioning body. It's listen. It's a joke. Five champions in one weight class from one sanctioning body times that times five. Exactly. Exactly. So so you know when I'm talking when I'm talking to fight fans. And they say, you know, I don't follow boxing anymore. Or, or no. old, or, you know, one-time fight. I don't follow boxing anymore. Hey, by the way, who's the champion? Who's the heavyweight champion? You go, well, there's several, you know. And then when you start talking about it, they go, oh, well, that's right. That's why I stopped watching boxing, you know. Uh, and it's, it's, listen, the sad part of it is about five years ago, I developed a system that would work with the four major sanctioning bodies. Where they none of them would lose a penny. They could all keep their freaking claws into the fighters, and uh, you know, you would just need the support of the fighters, and and that's where I think it falls short. I think that you know, uh, guys like Floyd Mayweather have changed the outlook on fighters, the way that well, not on fighters, from fighters, uh, where they say, well, it's all about the money. You know, uh, you know, I don't care. I don't care about what people think. I don't care what my legacy is. All I care about is my bank account. And on one hand, you can't blame them. You know, but uh, I think you should try to get your model out and start. We should start your own. Our our own sanctioning body called the WBBC. Nah, the World I would Boxing never. Billy C. 
division. We don't need another one. Hey, listen, we're going to take a break. We didn't take one last time. We're going to take a break right now. And when I come back, I got some emails to read. So don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Hey, programming note, we will not be doing a live show Monday. We will not be doing a live show Monday, uh, but we will be uh, here all the rest of next week. I just figured I'd uh, fill you in on that. I forgot about that, but uh, in any event. um, Got some emails, Sal. You ready? I am ready. First one uh, is from my man, Jesse. He says, uh, hey, Billy, see, here are my picks for Saturday. I want to see Gilberto Ramirez move, use more jab, high guard at all times, triple up his combos, and time his counters. Zerdi, I'm predicting Ramirez with a unanimous decision with some knockdowns. Uh, Anna Chaos uh, winning by uh, a unanimous decision, but Israel will put on a good fight. Hart by a late knockout. Jose Benavidez by a TKO during the mid-rounds. Watch out for Tifemio Lopez. Uh, uh, Good luck with all those picks. Uh, I'm going to be breaking down and giving you my predictions on uh, at least the uh, Ramirez and uh, uh, and Kajas fight. Uh, but uh, I'm not happy about either of those fights. I, I think they're both scam fights that uh, Bob Arum and Top Rank are, are putting on, and I'll get to that later. But uh, he says, can you break down the Gassio of Dortico's fight, uh, what they need to do and how they're going to uh, win? A tough bout, but I got Dortico's by a knockout in the ninth. Gassioff will try to use his power and pressure to attack Dortico's, but Dortico's will slip and move, but counter with clean shots. He'll land a clean shot uh, to put Gassiev away. Uh, what's your thoughts on Ronald Ellis versus Junior Yeoman on Friday? Is that a good bout? I think it's a good bout. Uh, first of all, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll break down and give you the predictions. I am going to do it on the, of course, I think the, the gassioff Dortico's fight is the best of the weekend. And I will be doing that later in the show. And I am going to give you my thoughts on Ronald Ellis and uh, Junior uh, Yaunin. Um, I think that that's a good fight on paper. But there's some things that I look at that fight. And there's a lot of questions that will be answered, though, tonight. It will be answered. Uh, yeah, you got to make sure you catch that fight later tonight, Sal. Yeah, that's on uh, ESPN, right? No, Showtime. Okay. Saturday night, ESPN. I'm glad to see you're so up on things. I'm glad. Well, to you see know, that. I am up on things. Yeah, I, I, I got just my not boxing. Turned around. I thought, th- 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 all right, tonight, tomorrow night, Showtime. I mean, tonight's Showtime, which I will see. And tomorrow is uh, ESPN, which I will watch at the pizzeria. Yeah, because we are going to be, call- you know, talking about that next week. But uh, anyway, oh, yeah. um, another email. This is from my man, uh, Luke Thunder Breslin. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal. I was watching a Usyk fight again, and I noticed that some of the judges were wearing ear protectors. I've tried to find out if there was a legitimate reason, but for this, uh, but reason for this, but I haven't come across an official notification. It got me thinking, though. 
in a tournament where they need an undisputed outcome, maybe something as simple as blocking out a raucous crowd would allow a judge would allow a judge to focus more on the fight. You've talked about hometown fighter versus away fighter a few times, and as a British fan, quite often we talk about when Martin Murray went over to Argentina to fight Sergio Martinez and clearly beat him, but Sergio got the nod. If you watch that fight with the sound off, Martin clearly wins, uh, clearly beats Martinez. But of course, Sergio was the hometown hero, and every time he did some work, which in all fairness he did, the crowd exploded. Martin put Martinez down twice in that fight, but Martinez gets the unanimous decision. I will admit there's been many fights that I've watched live and have been swayed by the crowd reaction, but then we watched with the sound down and had a completely different outcome. Also, recently, I, recently I've been hearing conversations about the option of having just 11 or possibly 13 rounds to stop the chance of strange draws and allow a definitive outcome at the end of the fight. I was wondering what your thoughts were on these issues, guys. Um... Well, first and foremost, on the uh, judges, I think the tech, you know, I've said this before, and I think the technology on views, you know, where we can see fights from, angles, et cetera, et cetera, has gotten so good at, uh, at this stage. If it were up to me, I, I would put the judges uh, in, in a room and have the camera angles uh, at their disposal and have no sound at all and uh, let the judges uh, score that way. I think definitely the crowd will sway a judge, just like a commentator will sway uh, somebody watching at home. It's human nature. Uh, when the judges tell you that they don't let the crowd affect their decisions, it's wrong. It's human nature. Unless they all bring back the cones of silence, Sal. What's your thoughts on uh, the ear? And by the way, earplugs um, or ear protectors, however you want to call them, they muffle the sound. They don't, they don't really remove the sound. Uh, so I think that you would still kind of hear the crowd especially if they got really loud uh for one of the two fighters uh what's your thoughts on that i have uh i have some good thoughts on that i think you know first of all i think the judges do need to be ringside we don't know what's going to go on in the room who's going to knock on a door who's going to slip some cash who's going to do something we don't know we don't know unless they're locked in with a security guard outside but the bottom line is no we can't remove that from there that's part of the element of boxing Judges need to be ringside. They can see what they can uh, up on the ring, but I think they do need to see an angled picture of the cameras. So whether they have two screens in front of them with the live view here, at least they can see things and they can make their decision. I think the earplugs to muffle the noise is, is a good thing too, so they don't have to be swayed. So those are two attributes or two things different that I think uh, could be brought into the game of boxing. Now, let me know when you're ready to comment about the 13th round. Am I? Did you hear anything? I, I, you no, haven't heard no a word I said, have you? Two minutes, pal. No sound. I know. I'm sorry about that. Uh, sure. What I was saying is, <laughs> I hit the button before and never hit it back. What I was saying was, um, the bottom line is I, I disagree about the earplugs. The earplugs, first of all, will muffle the sound. And, yeah. you know, you'll still hear it. It's like a guy cutting a lawn. You know, they still hear it. So, you know, they may have just had the ear protectors in just to protect their ears, you know, from a raucous crowd. That's it. Not to, you know, to prevent them from being swayed. Uh, as far as judging in a room, I agree with you about the, uh, uh, the fact that we are, um, you know, you have to see a fight uh, up close, uh, ringside. But the decisions that we've seen 
from the three judges lately have been controversial, to say that at least it's been controversial. So the truth of the matter here is that, you know, with the technology, by having it in a room and seeing it in, th in, in you know, high definition or whatever, you're getting all the angles that all three judges can't see currently. In other words, a fighter, I believe, and I know this is true, that some fighters feel, feel more comfortable in certain parts of the ring than others, and they try to maneuver their opponent to that spot for whatever reason, if they like the corner or, or whatever. And when the three judges are positioned where they are, one judge may get a better view of that punch than the other one, or maybe two get a better view than the third one. You know what I'm saying? So with the camera angle equal and looking at it straight on, I think it would give a judge a better opportunity to score a fight uh, and not have the uh, the ring noise, the the you know the people uh, you know swaying them. As far as getting paid off and all of that, listen, you'd have a commissioner in there I to know. make sure. So, so I'm not going to even entertain that that yeah. could happen because that could happen right now, you know. But I do sure. believe that um, that that it's time to take advantage of the technology. It would also give uh, them a chance to uh, look at a, a a replay real quick uh, before the the beginning of the next round to put their score in. I, I think we would get much better judging if it was taken away from from ringside. That's just my thought. You know, I, I, we see too many... We, listen, there's too many um, conflicts today with the scoring. Something has to change, you know? I, I mean, we can't think that the judges are all that bad now. I, I don't know. I, I think it's time that, to at least try it. Well, you know what? I think you just said the, the uh, key word, try. We could try it. And, you know, uh, like I said, I, I'm used to the old school having a judge ringside. Uh, I don't disagree. Give them a couple screens right in front of them. To You don't need all the press, all the media, everything else around them uh, to also just uh, be giving them white noise to deter them or their attention. You know, give them maybe a trilogy of screens right in front of them, a little booth, a little blinder set, who knows. And then, you know, like a, like a voting curtain or whatever the heck. I don't know. Because uh, I, I think it should be that they should be present. Ringside. It's always been. But I do agree they could try it. They could try in a booth somewhere off the site, uh, away from the ring, and upstairs in a, in, a, in a controlled environment. They could do that. Well, they should get and the cones of silence ringside. Put them all in the cones of silence. The cold was savage. Listen, I, it, the system right now is not working. It's well, not working. It's not. It's not working. It's too much controversy too often. And well, we you have know, three judges, but it's still not working. No, but no, no. It has I? I think three judges is enough. But what I'm saying is, is the manner in which they're positioned and scoring is not working. There's too much controversy too often. You know, it's the same thing as if you're watching a TV broadcast. And you watch the fight without listening to the bozos calling the fight. A lot of times they'll sway you. You know, you're watching something. I forget what fight it was, but I'm watching a fight. And, and I believe it was Jim Lampley is commentating. And he's commentating about a different fight that I'm watching. You know, I mean, I'm like, what, what's he talking about? Is he talking about another fight? And then you got the other idiot, Mauro Ronaldo, yelling and screaming and trying to be funny. You know, I, I mean, it's it's... 
we definitely have to have a change there. But uh, anyway, moving forward, as far as the uh, 11 or possibly 13 rounds, um, I, uh, listen, I, I think we should have 15 rounds. But Me too, that's Bill. my opinion. Those are, you know, never in the history of boxing. I mean, we know, and I'm sorry, Bill, because you know I'm passionate about this. The championship rounds have always been 13, 14, and 15. Because we've seen other 12-round fights. The bottom line is now the championship rounds are, what, 11 and 12? No. Those championship rounds where people are going to dig deep, where the last three rounds could make or break a fighter and a, and a decision or a knockout. I think the 13th, 14th, 15th round should come back into a world title bout. Uh, I definitely, it definitely should be 15. You know, they were trying to say that 15 rounds was more dangerous uh, for the fighter, and um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not so sure. But I tell you what, a lot of fights that have taken place over the last decade that has gone 12 rounds, and you see these guys barely making it to the final bell. You know damn well that if the fight was scheduled for 15, that maybe the outcomes would have been different. I don't know. I th you know, yeah. championship rounds 10, 11, and 12. They used to be. Uh, uh, 13, you know, 14, 11, 12, I mean, uh, 12, 13, I mean, uh, 13, 14, 15, you know, so, uh, but anyway, thanks for the email, uh, Luke Thunder Breslin. Uh, I got another one. This one's from uh, Johnston, and uh, we're not going to take any more breaks today, all right? We're not going to take any more breaks. Um, since we're not doing a show Monday, I'll do that. Um, Johnston says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I'm really looking forward to the fights this weekend. First of all, we got the World Series of Boxing, which kicks uh, kickstarts season eight tonight. World Series of Boxing, which kickstarts season eight. Uh, I don't understand that. Maybe that's a British thing. Uh, the British Lionhearts travel to Paris for what should be a fierce matchup uh, against the uh, France Fighting Roosters. Um, oh, the World Series of of Boxing, right? The the uh, uh, the I'm thinking of the uh, World Boxing Super Series. Yeah, World Box. Uh, that's the uh, sort of amateur, sort of pro. I, I didn't even. I haven't even heard uh, much of that lately. So uh, uh, thanks for uh, straightening me out there, to Johnson Johnston. He says then on Saturday night we have undefeated cruiserweights Isaac Chamberlain, who's nine and over four knockouts against Lawrence Oakley, who's seven and over six knockouts facing each other in the main event, billed as the British Beef. He says, I really can't split these two orthodox fighters in, in a South versus East London rivalry. Uh, he says, the Hackney-born East Londoner Oakley is 25 years old, has a slight height advantage with an Olympic and World Series boxing background, but his opponents in the pro ranks have not been as experienced with a combined record of 39 and 46 with a draw, and he's only uh, boxed 15 rounds. The British-born uh, South Londoner uh, Chambo is 23 years old, and has had two more professional fights, which could make the difference. His opponents have a combined record of 56 wins, 123 losses, and nine draws, and he's boxed 43 rounds. I think it's going to be a good fight, and a lot will depend on if Chamberlain can survive an early onslaught, but if he can, then I think Chamberlain will get the nod on points or maybe a late stoppage. Otherwise, I think Oakley will win by knockout or stoppage early in the fight. Also on the bill, this is like a, this is like a commercial. He says... <laughs> Uh, also on the bill is another talented young fighter uh, from southeast London called Ted Cheeseman. He's 12-0 with eight knockouts. He's a super welterweight, uh, steps up a level in the fight. Carson Jones, 
Uh, we all know Carson Jones. He says, uh, keep a, a beady eye on this kid as he's looked impressive so far and uh, has all the tools to reach the top. This is what I love about the Brits. Here's a 12-0 guy fighting Carson Jones, a former world title challenger. His record is 40 wins, 12 losses, and, and three draws. I mean, that, that's, that's a big test. This is why these guys, when they win these fights and they get a title shot, they stick around for a while. Uh, he says, uh, moving on to the World Boxing Super Series semifinals, we've got the biggest fight of the weekend, Gassiov, uh, going up against Ortikos. Thankfully, we've been able to watch all the cruiserweight fights on terrestrial television, thanks to ITV. He can over in England, we can't here. Uh, I can't see this fight going the distance, which is a good thing, as the last thing we need is corrupt judges getting involved. Uh, both fighters have a combined total of 39 uh, knockouts between them, but it's a younger and home fighter from Russia who has fought uh, the most rounds uh, at 108 against Ortikos is 61. Gassio's opponents have a combined record of 390 wins, 252 losses with 24 draws. And the Cubans, 339 wins, 216 losses and 22 uh, draws. He did a lot of work for us, Sal. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, who also Great has job. a better knockout percentage. Gassio impressed me when he came, uh, became the first man to stop Poland's Krzysztof Ludzarek in the quarterfinals. And because he's on home turf, I'm going for the 24-year-old to win by knockout in uh, either the fourth or fifth round. But it could really go either way and wouldn't surprise me if Dortikos came out the winner. Uh, lastly, Gilberto Ramirez against Habib Hamed, uh, the African champion, will be fighting out of Ghana. Um the oh the African champion will be fighting out of Ghana for the first time in his career, and I believe he will be out of his depth against the unbeaten Mexican. I predict Ramirez will get his first stoppage since 2014 and look impressive while doing so. For me, this uh, fight is just a stepping tone, stone towards a, a fight against uh, Rohan Murdoch uh, over the summer. Have a good weekend. Great uh, breakdown from uh, Johnston, keeping us uh, up to date on some of the things that they get to see in England. Seems like they get uh, a little more uh, uh, opportunity to watch boxing uh, on television than we do here, Sal. Well, I'm sure, it, you know, it appears that way. And, you know, but uh, then again, you know, they're they're uh, they're the, the, the country that really has uh, entrenched themselves in, in following boxing for decades and they uh, they have not taken their foot off the metal pedal and uh, I uh, congratulate them for that you know we we used to show it on network TV every day every time and um, I think now with the resurgence of some of the uh, uh, fighters and and and, uh, and advertisers and, and uh, networks we're seeing a resurgence of boxing being available on public tv so you know i think that's pretty good as well well i mean you know i i, I agree i mean we are seeing a lot more um fights here here in the states five but nowhere's ago. near nowhere is near what they see over there no no uh we got one uh do i see huh? yep i got one more email here um this is the only one I read because it's from my man Mitch. And the subject on this one, Sal, is called the C factor. The C factor. And he says, "Hey Billy C, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm I'm going to do a little bit of analysis." He says, "Number 1. A few days ago, you said you were worried about Canelo and asked why he's messing around after he says us Mexicans don't mess around." The very next day, after you criticized them a bit on your show, it happened. They made the official uh, fight announcement. 
uh, which is taking place May fifth. Bitch 5th, thinks you HBO. got a tie right to the network. They listen to you. He and says that's it. That is the C fact. I know where he's going. He Go says ahead. number two. Then Oscar, after listening to your show, felt like he needed to chime in about two things you talked about. Um, and he says uh, Canelo against Triple G will have a third fight. Uh, wow! And wow! This, this was this was something that I was saying. We were talking. It's true. We were saying it. We we were saying that. You know, there's nothing wrong with a third fight. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we, said it. we, we did, did say. It. Um, and, and and then he says, and he says uh, uh, that the lawyer said to Bob Arum, "Give me a call. We want to make uh, Lomachenko against Linares." And yeah, we did talk I, about I like that. that we did talk about that. Um, he says that he wants to have that fight. Uh, he's, and uh, Mitch says, so both uh, both of Oscar's quotes above came right after consecutive shows you did talking about the specific subjects. I'm going to refer to this as the Billy C factor. He says, then you said on Wednesday, Mayweather could be a top promoter based on the capital he has and the inside the ring career he's had. You said either way, Floyd needs to make up his mind of what he's going to do. Not only do you get flooded with Mayweather emails for your next show, but then the Billy C factor strikes again. The very next day, this happens. Floyd says he wants a uh, fight in an MMA. What are the odds? Uh, he says, uh, wow. Uh, he says, listen. He goes, Billy C, he says, these guys are watching your show. Then they make videos or send press releases right after you say something on your show. It keeps happening over and over, and it's too much to be a coincidence. I'm going to keep doing this until you believe me. The Billy C factor is in full effect. <laughs> Floyd watches you. Canelo watches you. Deontay watches you. Heyman watches you. Aaron watches you. Kathy Duva, Tommy Love, they all do. I'll close by saying this. He says, you know, I heard a wise man on YouTube say this yesterday. He says... People that love me watch me for one hour a day. People that hate me watch me for three hours a day. He says the Canellos, the Mayweathers, the De La Hoyas, and the Wilders, they hate you, dude. But they watch <laughs> but your they show listen. three hours a day. That's why every time you say something, they react later that day or early the next day with a press release, a video, or a fight announcement. It's happened over 20 times last year, which means 2017 <laughs> wasn't just a banner year for boxing, but also for the Billy C factor. Mitch, I, like that. I appreciate uh, that. And uh, never once has anyone ever uh, referenced the Billy C show. So, I, I, you know, is it a coincidence? I think so, you know, um, but uh, but I hope, you know, if, if all I could say is this, if as many people, if half the people that say they watch the show watch the show, uh, we would have some pretty big Nielsen ratings, Sal. What do you think? Well, what I think, <laughs> when you're reading this, and we got to love Mitch. And, and you know what? Hey, can't disprove it. Can't say it's not true. Can't. It reminds me of, if you remember an old movie with Mel Gibson called Conspiracy Theory? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. remember he had a little newsletter that just went out privately to a couple people? Meanwhile, the NSA is looking at it. This one's looking at it. This government agency is looking at it. And, hey, Billy C., you never know who's listening, pal. Well, we reach a, a pretty large audience. Um, realistically, our, our YouTube audience is the smallest. Uh, we are trying to grow that. And hopefully, uh, if you uh, do listen, make sure you subscribe and spread the word. That's all we can ask. 
Um, but again, thanks to everybody for the emails. And remember, if, if you take the time to write us an email, we'll take the time to read it uh, right here on the show. Uh, keep in mind, programming note, we will not be doing a live show Monday, uh, but we will uh, uh, return for the rest of the week. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, and then I'm going to break down all these fights. Oh, boy, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl this weekend. Uh, yes, New England it, Patriots it, uh, going up against uh, the Eagles. We all know that the uh, uh, Patriots are an established uh, team. Uh, they've uh, uh, been here, done that, and won that many times already. Uh, Tom Brady has a fistful of Super Bowl rings. Uh, they got to surgically add a few more fingers on his hand so he can wear them all. Or, or will need to do that to, for him to wear them all. Um, you know, the funny thing about... Uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and, and throw in there uh, Mr. Kraft, the owner of the team. That's the three-headed monster right there. Belichick, Kraft, and Brady. Because together, they have had this uh, undeniable success in the NFL. Um, a lot of other players have contributed to successful seasons and winning Super Bowls or even getting to the Super Bowl and losing uh, like they did to the Giants. Um, but when you think about those games, it's hard to remember any other names that are on the team, even this team. You know, unless you're a diehard Patriots fan, you probably can only name a handful of the players, which again points out that the true brain uh, behind this is uh, a combination of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But in my opinion, um, Bill Belichick could find another Tom Brady, and continue to be successful employing his system that has uh, been impossible for other teams to crack. Jimmy Garoppolo, who they traded to the uh, 49ers would, against uh, Bill Belichick's will, was going to be that guy. I still believe we're going to hear uh, a shocking announcement after this Super Bowl on Sunday, win, lose, or draw. But we'll save that for another show. Now, when you take a look at the Eagles, the Eagles are a solid. And, and by the way, uh, Tom Brady, no one makes comebacks like him. Uh, you know, this is a team that rallies behind him. It takes them four and a half, three and a half quarters to uh, to get going. Uh, when there's uh, five minutes or less in the game and they're down by a billion points, uh, they find a way to win. Um, they're a solid team. From, from top to bottom, make no mistake, regardless of how they start or whatever. And no one makes better adjustments than Bill Belichick. Now, they're taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, who, in my opinion, had a great year. As a matter of fact, they arguably are the best team in the NFC. They, their record certainly showed it, and uh, they performed like it consistently all year. The problem I have is that Carson Wentz was the uh, uh, quarterback, and this was a guy that was in his second year and proved uh, to all the critics who, who had him not being successful in uh, his rookie year and saying that he was a bad choice for the Eagles, proved them all wrong and had a banner season until he got injured. Bring on Nick Volks. Uh, uh, he, which used to be the uh, starting quarterback for the Eagles, um, has amassed the, the best uh, uh, quarterback percentage in the playoffs. Uh, he hasn't lost. He keeps moving him forward. 
It reminds me of Jeff Hostetter when he was with the Giants. And believe me, being a Jet fan, it pains me to give the Giants any kind of credit. But this Eagle team is a good team. Now, when this line started out, it started off at six points, which I thought was too little. I thought that the Patriots should have been a seven-point favorite. It's gone down. As of this morning, it was four points being the Patriots of the favorite. And some of the reasons why is apparently my sources tell me that there have been multiple, not just one or two, multiple million-dollar bets in Las Vegas placed on the Eagles. And in some cases, there have been reports of two multi-million-dollar bets placed on the Eagles. Now, this has forced the line to come down. And I could see when they placed it, if they got it at the five or five and a half that it had uh, went down to, you know, they positioned themselves uh, to get a, a, another point because many people think it's going to be a close game uh, and uh, come down to a point or two at the end. Um, it could also mean that a lot of times in, in gambling, um, people with a lot of money like to put money on one side so that the line does move. And it makes other betters sway towards that play and makes the line move down even more. And then at the last minute, they triple their bet and throw it on the other side. And in some cases, if the line moves enough, they can hit both sides and win a hell of a lot of money. And that's what I think happened in Las Vegas, to be honest with you. I love the game. I think it's going to be an exciting game. But my official pick in this game is the New England Patriots. As much as it pains me, you can't go against Bill Belichick and uh, Tom Brady. I think it's going to be a close game. I think taking the Eagles with the points might not be a bad idea. But at the end of the game, uh, the guy holding the trophy is going to be Tom Brady once again. Now, who am I rooting for? I'm rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles because I would love nothing more than to have the Eagles beat Tom Brady Bill Belichick, and the rest of the Patriots. So I'm going to be rooting for the Eagles. I'll be wearing my Jets uniform, but I'll be rooting for the Eagles 100%. But my official pick is the Patriots. What do you think, Sal? Tell you what, I have a lot of my Philadelphia client base and, and, and friends and everybody else in South Jersey, which basically roots for Philly, um, all pulling for Philly. I, I hate to say this, Bill, but I love winners. And I love teams and players and coaches that know how to win. Not just once, not just twice, but with the exception, the majority of the times. And for that purpose alone, um, I, I bleed pinstripes and New York giant blue. Uh, true to the end. But when the Giants are not in it, I got to look at what's what's the next best performing team. And uh, I think the legacy of of Tom Brady, I think that the the coaching, the team pulling it together and knowing how to win and pulling it out in the last quarter as they usually do or whatever they got to do, they just know how to do it. And not only do I think New England Patriots will win, but they have my uh, my passion, my heart. I'm pulling for the New England Patriots, hands down. Well, and I and I'm closer to well, no, I'm not closer. I'm I'm right in the middle of New England and Philly. Uh, listen, my advice to uh, my advice. the coaching staff 
of the Philadelphia Eagles is this. No one makes adjustments better than Bill Belichick at halftime. No. But, you know, when I watched the Jacksonville Jaguar game, I saw them play right into his adjustments. Bill Belichick made the decision to stop the run. He moved uh, seven guys up into the box. And what Jacksonville had open was what was working for them. The little dump-off passes to the slot backs and, and uh, uh, slot receivers and the uh, running backs. They stopped doing it. They kept running into the pile, uh, first and second down, and, and were creating long, third and long situations, which is exactly what Belichick wanted. If I'm playing Bill Belichick, I go into that game with multiple game plans that I'm willing to switch at the end of each quarter. I would not give Bill Belichick an opportunity to make the adjustments. I, the only way to keep him on his edge is to go in there with multiple game plans. It's easy to say. It's hard to pull off. But that's the only way to stay one step ahead of uh, uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. The other step is to keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. You know, if the running game isn't working, find something that is and keep doing it until it doesn't work. Then go to plan B and do something else. You know, uh, Belichick can't do it all. He's got to stop one thing, then make you beat him somewhere else. They're probably going to try to stop the run. They're probably going to try and cause some fumbles with a Ajay. Um, but, uh, and they're going to probably make uh, Nick Foltz um, uh, try to beat them in the air. He's got the capability as long as they give him some protection. But I'd be blitzing the hell out of uh, Brady. It's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, anyway, um, let's break down some fights. You ready to do some predictions or what? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. I got my clairvoyant uh, Nostradamus cap on. Um, no, that's you. You wear The that. first uh, fight I'm going to do is, is uh, a really good matchup on paper. It's tonight on Showtime. Uh, Junior uh, Yaunman against Ronald Ellis. Now, um, you know, uh, Junior uh, Yaunin is, is 22 years old. He's six years younger than Ronald Ellis. He's currently ranked at super middleweight at 100. Um, he's a, uh, a, a good fighter with a record of 13 wins, nine coming by knockouts. He's only gone 32 rounds. He has a 69% knockout ratio. Um, he fought three times last year in 2017. One of the fights was against his first fight in 2017 in March uh, in West Virginia was against uh, uh, a kid that I know personally, Victor uh, DeRosha. I got to call a couple of his fights down in Florida. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, Victor DeRosha, uh, he was 6-0 and when I called the first fight, and he ended up getting a draw. Uh, and then uh, he lost his next fight. And when he fought... Um, uh, junior, he was seven wins, two losses, and a draw. This was a tough fight once again, uh, but Junior went six rounds and won the decision. Uh, he also beat Zoltan Sira and Mike Guy uh, in uh, 2017. And Mike Guy, uh, also a tough fighter uh, going into this fight, nine, two, and one. So he was definitely a busier fighter in 2017. He started his boxing career in 2013. Uh, fought twice in 2013, uh, fought five times in uh, uh, 2014, I'm sorry, four times, once in 2015, and uh, three times in 2016. 
my opinion for a, a fighter who's 22 years old and only has 13 fights under his belt uh, in the last uh, several years, uh, going on five to be exact, is not enough. Now he steps in with Ronald Ellis, who um, is 28 years old. Uh, he's uh, also super middleweight. Uh, he's not ranked. And the reason why he's not ranked, Sal, is because he hasn't fought in over a year, which is BS for a young fighter like Ronald Ellis. He's only got 14 pro fights. He's 14-0 and with 10 knockouts. Uh, he's only uh, He's gone 50 rounds with a 63% knockout ratio. He does have a draw. Uh, of his uh, fights, his, his all of his uh, uh, 15 fights, um, I give him credit for two big wins that he had. Uh, in 2016 against Jerry Odom, uh, he got a draw uh, against Jerry Odom. That's his That's his draw, and he's arguably the best opponent that he's faced. And in his last fight, he won an eight-round decision against Christopher Broker. Uh, and Broker was also, uh, I thought, an evenly matched uh, fight for Ronald Ellis. Um, but I, this fight, although it's a tough one to pick, I'm going with uh, Junior Yaunin in this fight. And the reason why is because, you know, not so much for the age, but I believe when you're a young fighter, Sal, especially like these guys in their 20s, and uh, Junior's in his young, uh, early 20s, um, I think activity, the activity level, is the most important thing. This has been the knock on a guy like Al Heyman, who has all these fighters and can't possibly keep them all busy. I think a lot of young fighters are missing the boat by staying active and honing their skills. You know, not only aren't they fighting enough, but they're fighting guys that they're way better than. So not only aren't they getting the uh, time inside the ring, they're not even getting the time against quality opposition. I'm going with the younger guy. I'm going with the guy who fought more uh, last year. What's your thoughts? I'm going to go right on the same page, Bill, for those exact reasons. Because, you know what? Activity keeps you in the in the spotlight, but it also hones in your skill, your timing, your range, your conditioning. And, uh, you know, most fighters starting out, young fighters, they will fight every couple of weeks, every couple of months at least. And, and uh, it happens. And when their competition uh, steps up and gets a little more uh, uh, on a level playing field and they hone in their skill and their talents and they get uh, bruised up or so yeah then they take a, a two month or a, a in between fights to heal up and their train and go back to the drawing board but yeah fighter that stays busy he's got the momentum he's in shape all the time and uh, I like a fighter that stays busy so that's why I will go with your choice there as well the next fight uh, I'm going to pick is uh, uh, one of the fights on uh, ESPN uh, Gilberto Ramirez uh, currently, the WBO super middleweight champion is going up against Habib uh, Ahmed. Um, you know, Gilberto Ramirez uh, is uh, been around a long time. He's only 26 years old. He turned pro in 2010. Um, uh, actually, uh, I think he turned pro a little earlier than that. But uh, in any event, he, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he turned pro in 2009. Um 25 of his uh, 36 fights have been in Mexico. One have been in China. And since he uh, signed with uh, Top Rank, uh, 10 of his uh, fights have been in the United States, uh, specifically all of them. I give him a lot of credit for uh, four uh, wins, uh, even though he uh, had beaten a, a tough fighter in Derek Finley. 
Marcus Upshaw, uh, Richard Gutierrez, uh, Giovanni Lorenzo. I mean, these are all tough fights that he won. But the four big ones I give him credit for was Maximum Vlazov uh, that he fought back in 2015. Of course, the Arthur Abraham fight in which he won the world title uh, against uh, a guy that, uh, uh, you know, had been uh, controlling of the middleweight division and then uh, was a super middleweight champ. Max uh, Bursak, uh, where he won a 12-round decision in his first title defense. And his last fight was an all-out 12-round war against Jesse Hart. And Jesse Hart, because of his performance, his stock actually went up. Uh, I, I, I like Ramirez. He's uh, ranked number two in the world. He's a southpaw. Um, I think this kid's got a lot of potential. And I, I kind of like the way he's being moved, even though I don't like when fighters are still developing after they win a title. And this guy certainly is. He, he, he is getting better. I, I I like this fighter. Now, he steps in the ring with uh, Habib Ahmed. And Habib Ahmed, uh, all I'm going to say is this. I'm extremely disappointed in the choice of opposition. Um, Amir Ahmed is ranked by the computer at 125. I mean, this guy's getting a world title shot. 125 he's ranked. That's not even close to being a real fight for Ramirez, in my opinion. That's number one. Number two, he's never fought outside of Ghana. And if you look at his record, you know, no disrespect to the, to the uh, Ghana fighters, uh, but none of them stand out, and none of them are that good. None of them have, uh, with the exception of the last two fights, none of them really have a heck of a lot of experience. This guy is being brought in because the networks don't know how to identify a good fighter from a bad and he's got a record of 25-0 and 0 with a draw. Looks good, right? He's Looks not. good. Well, the Ghana fighters are always tough, but I can't see this guy making the final bell. I'm going with Gilberto Ramirez in an easy fight. What's your thoughts? <laughs> Bill, you know, I wish I could debate a different side of the aisle with you from the blue or red corner, but I can't. This is the same reason. Uh, I like Ramirez. And I think he's the real deal, especially going into this bout. And uh, I don't think he's going to have that much difficulty. And I do see him winning in a big fashion by a knockout. Um, the next fight I want to talk about uh, is uh, the, I believe this is actually the main event. It's for the IBF World Super Flyweight uh, title. And the current IBF uh, Super Flyweight World Champion is Jerwin uh, Ankajas. And Ankajas is ranked number seven in the world uh, by the computer at Super Flyweight. He's a southpaw at five foot six, uh, a Filipino fighter, 26 years old. We talked about him earlier in the week. Uh, he's a guy that wants to become the next Manny Pacquiao, so to speak. Uh, his record, 28 wins, 19 by knockouts, and he has uh, one loss and one draw. Uh, when you look at his record, uh, this was a guy that had a draw in his fourth fight. In his third fight, he squeaked by a 1-0 fighter. Uh, he had a majority loss uh, in uh, 2012 against Mark Giraldo, uh, who was 24-3 at the time. Uh, but since then, he's uh, won against decent opposition. Now, his last four fights, in my opinion, were all against really good opposition. He won the title against McJoe Arorio in 2016, 
he followed that with a defense against Jose Alfredo Rodriguez, stopping him in seven. He stopped Teruru Kinoshita uh, in the uh, seventh round. And in his last fight, he beat an undefeated Jamie Conlon, who was 19-0 and 0, uh, in six rounds there. I think this guy has found himself. Now, he steps in the ring. It's another fighter that I have to be critical of, Bob Arum, for. This guy, Jerwin, is not really going to put on any kind of a display other than beating the snot out of Israel Gonzalez. I don't think this is going to be a competitive fight either. This guy's ranked at number 56 in the world at super flyweight. Of uh, uh, you know his last fights, I see one fighter uh, really that impressed me, and that was uh, Jonathan Padilla when he uh, won a 10-round decision over Padilla in July of last year. Now, he did fight four times last year, but his last fight, which was in November of last year, he uh, knocked out Ramundo Hernandez. Ramundo Hernandez was 0-1, and it took him five rounds to knock him out. This was a guy that had 21 fights under his belt at the time of that fight. He's now 21-1, that equals 22 fights. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see Gonzalez giving Jerwin uh, any kind of a, a, a fight. Uh, I do see it going some rounds, but I'm picking Jerwin uh, in this one. Uh, in, in another, I think these are showcase fights. I'm surprised that uh, that Bob Arum has the, you know, what's uh, to put these on. And quite frankly, I'm even more surprised at the sanctioning bodies for sanctioning these as world title uh, defenses. What's your thoughts? Well, again, I'm sorry to agree, but we have to agree, and I concur with you 100% on this. It's, and I do feel these are showcase bouts. Let's well, not call it what it is. It is exactly just that. Well, I mean, listen, I don't have a problem with showcase fights. It's just, no, neither I have, do I. I. Neither do I. I think they're great to to promote the A side and everything else and to give them a, a, a good competitive night of fight and to shine. Why not? But they shouldn't be title defenses. No, they should not back be title in, defenses. Back yes. in the day, you know, when I get into the argument uh, with Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, I have, uh, you know, a lot of young, uh, unknowledgeable fans will say, oh, well, you know, he's got double-digit losses. Oh, he didn't fight all, all these great fighters. Well, no, he didn't. And... You, if you look, a lot of times the title wasn't on the line when he was fighting those because back then, boxing was a was a trade and you had to stay busy to make a living. Today, a lot of fighters have other jobs. Boxing's part time for them. All right. Well, you said it right there. I mean, some of these fighters used to fight every week. That was their paycheck. You look at that. You look at those days back then. They would fight every two, three weeks, or whatever. A cut would heal well enough, and they get back in the ring. They didn't care. They just needed to make some money. That was it. Uh, the last two fights uh, that um, I'm going to break down and give you my predictions, in my opinion, are the most competitive fights of the weekend. Uh, the first one is in the cruiserweight division uh, between uh, two young fighters going at it. Lawrence uh, Oakley against uh, Isaac Chamberlain. Uh, it's a tough fight. Uh, when you look at Lawrence Oakley, he's 24 years old. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, he's 25 years old. Um, he's ranked at number 120 in the cruiserweight division, which is kind of surprising because there's not that many cruiserweights. So, I mean, you know. No, anyway, about 125. Yeah, you you look at this guy. He's uh, 
um, six foot five, an orthodox fighter, three inch height height advantage that he has over his opponent. Um, his record is seven and zero with six knockouts, and of those seven fights, he he's only gone fifteen rounds. He's got an eighty six percent knockout ratio. Uh, he's only been a fight a, a pro for one year. All seven of his fights came last year in 2017 as a pro. The only fight that he went the distance with was Blasi uh, Menduo, who was 3-3, three and three, and that was in September of last year. He hasn't really fought the toughest of the tough, but he's taking care of business in all of those fights fairly quickly, with the exception of Menduo. Now, he steps in the ring with uh, Isaac Chamberlain. Now, Isaac Chamberlain is ranked substantially higher than Lawrence Oakley at uh, number 82 in the world. And uh, he's 23 years old, two years younger than Oakley. And he's a couple of inches shorter at six foot two. He's 9-0 and with uh, four knockouts. He's gone 43 rounds with a 44% uh, uh, knockout ratio. He's uh, been a pro longer. He's in his third year. Uh, and what really sticks out with me is some of the experienced fighters that he has fought. Like in his pro debut, uh, he fought uh, Moses uh, Matuvo, who uh, had a record of five wins, 50 losses, and four draws. You say, well, he's got 50 losses. But here's a pro debut fighter fighting a guy with 59 professional fights. That's not easy. The problem I see is that he fought four times in 2015, only twice in 2016, and three times last year in 2017. Uh, and of those uh, fights last year, he kind of has regressed with his level of opposition uh, versus uh, Oakley. Um, Oakley is more of a power puncher. Uh, Chamberlain uh, has power, but likes to take you into deeper waters. This is a tough fight to pick. Normally, I would yeah. go with a younger fighter, um, but in this fight, and because it's it's you know been brewing, even though they they're both uh, young fighters, I'm going against Johnston in this one. I'm taking Lawrence Oakley. I have a feeling that this fight will end early, and uh, I I think that the size advantage of Oakley uh, will uh, will come into play. And I'm a stickler for being busy. This guy fought uh, seven times last year, uh, and I think that that just helps with muscle memory and everything else. No, no, nothing against Chamberlain, because Chamberlain fought three times, and in today's world of boxing, uh, that's a lot. But uh, I'm that's picking, a I'm, I'm picking Oakley. I'm picking Oakley. Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what. I'd like to uh, look at both fighters. And in their, young in their career here. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, as you said earlier, you know, uh, Oakley had probably a lot of uh, walkthrough fights. Who knows? I, I, I can't say that for sure. Uh, but I uh, I think I'm going to pull for uh, uh, Chamber, Chamberlain, Isaac. I'm going to pull for Isaac. I think that Isaac is going to... Um, surprise everybody but not that he's not going to surprise anybody i think he's going to win i think he's going to pull it through and win the, i think he'll give this young, i think he'll give this uh young and experienced uh oakley a little bit more than what uh what he anticipated i think he's going to come out winning um the final fight i'm going to break down and give you my thoughts on is the 
uh, in the World Boxing Super Series, and I think this is going to be a great fight. Uh, Unier Dorticos is going up against, he was currently the WBA World uh, Cruiserweight Champion, is going up against Murat Gassiov, who's the IBF World Champion. When you look at uh, Dorticos, he's seven years older than Gassiov. Uh, at six foot three, they're both similar in size. Uh, Gassiov is six foot three and a half. Um, the computer ranks Dorticos at number five. And like I said, he's the WBA champion. Um, his last two fights uh, were against good opposition, and in my opinion, were the two most instrumental wins of his career. Uh, Kalinga was a 10th round stoppage in France in 2016 when he won the interim belt and solidified the belt in September of last year when he fought Dmitry Kutuzov uh, and stopped him in two rounds, blew him out. When I look at Dortico's uh, complete record, it seems to me that he's fought the tougher opposition. He's fought some, you know, known names like Keith Barr, Willie Herring, um, Efano Mendoza. Uh, you know, these are guys that have, have been around. And keep in mind, he's, he's a Cuban fighter. So not only does he have a 95% knockout ratio, 22-0 and 0 with 21 wins is coming by knockout, He's also got that Cuban pedigree, which generally we see fighters that can box. Uh, he steps in the ring with a real tough uh, Russian fighter, Murat Gassiov. He's currently the IBF World Cruiserweight champ. He's 24 years old. Uh, like I said before, seven years uh, younger than uh, Dortikos. Uh, same size, height-wise. He's six foot three and a half, so he's got a half inch on him. Uh, his record is impressive as well, 25-0 and 0 with 18 wins by knockout. Now, he doesn't have a 95% knockout ratio, but he's got almost a 70% knockout ratio. Um, his last two fights were huge uh, when you look at the names. He beat a current champion in recess, Denis Ledebev, in Russia in uh, December of uh, 2016 via a split decision, which means... Uh, for all intent and purposes, he, he probably won the fight, uh, hands down. He followed that with a third-round knockout of Christoph Lodzarek. Christoph Lodzarek, although he was older when he fought uh, Gassiov, this is the same Lodzarek that David Hay left the division to avoid. I still give him credit for beating Lodzarek. He also had some wins under some decent opposition, like Felix Cora Jr., uh, was a, a, a tough fighter and a tough win. And Asmil Abdulov, who's a, a journeyman fighter, wins over the over those guys uh, early on. When I look at this, and by the way, he's ranked at number four and Dortico's number five by the computer. It's a really tough fight to pick. Um, you know, I, I, I like the boxing ability of Dortico's and his punching power. Uh, but the, the reason why I'm going to go with Gassiov is... I'm going with the younger age. I, I think that that makes a, a, a difference. Um, and I'm also uh, going with the fact that he's on his home turf. This guy is uh, from Russia, and he's going to be fighting in Russia. And generally, we see fights that take place in Russia uh, usually go to the Russian fighter. Now, with that said, Dortikos is going to have to knock him out. I kind of am rooting for Dortikos, but I'm picking Murat Gassiov in uh, a great one. Either one of these guys that advance, uh, this is going to be some barn burner of a World Boxing Super Series final. The winner of this fight 
uh, taking on Usyk. How do you see this one going, my man? Tell you what, I, I like this fight. It's going to be a barn burner, as you suggested. And uh, I'm going to say I'm going to go with Gusev, Gusev. And uh, I think he's going to come out winning. I, I, I feel that in my heart of hearts. So we'll see what happens. We certainly will. And uh, we got a lot of uh, great sports on television this weekend. We do. Uh, Unbelievable. Between, and... uh, go ahead. between boxing and, and the Super Bowl. What, what were you yes, going to say? I was just going to say, and guess what? Spring training just around the corner for those baseball fans. I can't wait for that. I'm, I'm looking forward to another disappointing Mets season. But uh, yeah, Yankees are going to have a powerhouse team to this uh, That's why everyone hates them. But uh, except, except for the Yankee fans, <laughs> they love them. Except for the Yankee, and fans. they brag about them. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, boys and girls, enjoy <laughs> your weekend. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the fights, and don't forget if you take the time to drop us an email, we'll take the time to read it right here on air. Just drop uh, your email to Billy at Talking Boxing T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, and also. If you want to be on the list for our uh, Brass Knuckle uh, mug, uh, we're uh, taking names for that. And if you want to be uh, and get more information about our uh, invitation only or reservation only, I should say, event that we're going to be having at, at, uh, uh, at St. Simon's over the summer, you got to get your name in now. It's going to be uh, quite the uh, event. So drop me an email for any of those things, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N. B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Don't forget, no live show on Monday. But make sure you tune in. Same bat time, same bat channel on Tuesday morning. Until then, have fun this weekend. And I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.